listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. Today we're going to conclude our series called Part of the Plan. Somebody say Part of the Plan. The first week of the series we looked at no matter where you're at in life, every place is part of God's plan. Wherever God has you, it can be part of God's plan. The place that you're in physically, mentally, spiritually, wherever you're at, it's all part of the plan. And then last week, church, we discovered how people are part of God's plan. The Godhead Trinity works as a team. And we too should serve the kingdom of God as a team, not isolated on our own. It's not good for man to be alone. We must be together. We work together. And, and today we're going to conclude this series seeing how pain is part of the plan. Pain is part of the plan. Somebody say part of the plan. I've got a friend, he's a fellow DCCer, a member of our church, and his name is Jamie. And my friend Jamie knows that I deal with chronic back pain and have for years. And he's been concerned for, for my health and my well-being for, for quite some time. And one thing I can say about Jamie is that he is persistent, extremely persistent. And for over four years now, he's been inviting me to come work out with him and start CrossFit with him. Um, his first text inviting me to work out was on February the 22nd, 2018. February the 22nd, 2018, he sends me a text, and, and he's been concerned for me and, 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 and my life. And week after week, so consistent, he invites me to come to his home gym and participate in CrossFit training, and he has this passion to make me feel better. And every week, he sends, usually it's on Friday, Friday afternoon, he'll send out this text, and I always have a good excuse <laughs> on why I can't go and why I can't be there. But last Saturday, last Saturday, I surprised him at 6 a.m. I pulled up in front of his house, and you should have, you should have witnessed his jaw <laughs> hit the floor. And this past week, he's put me through it. Four sessions with Jamie. I hurt in my arms. I hurt in my legs, I hurt in my fingers, my hair hurts, my hair hurts, I mean, it, it's just, the one thing that's not hurting is my back, so I guess it's working, right? right. And, and some of you, some of you were concerned, I had no idea that it was this visible, but some of you were concerned last Sunday uh, while I was preaching, I guess I was moving a little tenderly, and, um, and, and I noticed during first service when I left my chair and I started to walk up the, the steps over there, and every step I took, my, I've been told to call them quads because that's like, you know, makes you sound like you, you really do work out and like you have muscles. I don't have them, but it was burning every step I took up those steps. And then, and then I mean, poor planning on my part, I, I planned a sermon where I had to bend over and pick up a sledgehammer and a sword. If you weren't here, I, I carried around a, a sledgehammer and a sword for part of the sermon. And it wasn't necessarily the carrying it. It was the bending over to pick it up. It was that bad. It was that bad. Today, I don't feel near that bad. But, but I knew this would happen. Before I can feel better, you know, they tell me I've got to strengthen my core. It's all the things that I know. And at the expense of sounding trite, it, it's the old adage, no pain, no gain. No pain, no gain. I like my version better. In pain, you're insane. But... <laughs> It's, it's okay. 
The great American theologian and author A.W. Tozer once wrote, It is doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. I want you to hear those words again. It is doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. Well, I don't necessarily agree with Brother Tozer's sentiment, as I do believe that God blesses and that God does not hurt his children intentionally, on purpose. I do, however, believe that God allows pain as it can be part of his plan. Knowing that our God is omnipotent, it's all-powerful, God is in control, amen? Our God is sovereign. I understand that whatever happens in my life must be allowed by God. It's not necessarily a direct curse by him. No, he's, he's the giver of good gifts. But he has to allow it. And it's a struggle for us as believers. When we come to this realization that sometimes God allows pain in our lives for a purpose. Like it's, it's own purpose. And, and it's, it's part of, of why many people can't buy into our faith. It's, it's the reason why so many people struggle with putting their faith in an unseen God. Because if that God is good, why do bad things happen to good people? Throughout my ministry career, I have come to the realization that most people don't mind pain if they can see the purpose. If there's a purpose in there somewhere, it, it, it's more bearable. Take, for instance, the pain of childbirth. The fact that many women give birth to multiple children over time proves to me that we don't mind pain if there is a positive outcome. Jesus spoke to this in John chapter 16 and verse 21. He said, a woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come, but when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So Jesus actually acknowledges this, that Sometimes we just forget the pain because of the joy that's set before us. How many times in your lifetime have you seen this played out? I mean, there's a reason, right? I mean, there's a reason why moms don't hate their children after they give birth to them, right? I mean, the pain that's associated with that, I can only imagine, but the pain that is associated with that, I would think you would like hate that child for the rest of their life. But no, that's not what happens. And it's because there is a purpose in their pain. There's something being birthed out of it. Something good is coming forth. And as long as we can make sense of our trial, as long as we are, what we are going through will serve a greater good, as long as there is purpose in our pain, we don't seem to mind it as much. But sometimes, church, it's hard to see the purpose in the pain. Sometimes you're going through the pain in life, you're going through the anguish, the torment, and, and, and it's just hard sometimes to see God's hand working at all in, in all of that. When, when you're the one that's facing foreclosure, when you're the one that has been laid off, when, when you're the one going through the divorce, when you are the one battling sickness, when you're the one battling disease, or it's your mom battling disease, or it's your dad battling disease, or it's your spouse battling disease, or it's your child battling disease. It's hard to see the hand of God 
in the, your current process of pain. The scriptures are full of people that had to endure great pain and significant trials, but still God used their lives as a testimony to his goodness. And as I read these off, off and, and, and as I recite these, you, you understand the outcome of it, but I can assure you in the moment they didn't see it. They were not aware of what we know. We've got the end of the story. We, we know the outcome, but, but they didn't. Noah ridicule, uh, endured the ridicule of his neighbors. Abraham, he, he climbed the mountain of testing, believing that he had to sacrifice his son. Joseph was sold into slavery by his own brothers, imprisoned by Potiphar for a crime that he did not commit. Moses endured complaints, distrust, disobedience, and, and mutinies from the Israelites. David spent much of his life running from his mentor who, who turned on him and, and wanted to kill him because of his jealousy. Naomi lost her entire family except for her daughter-in-law. Paul, he faced shipwrecks, plural. He told the Corinthian church that he had been shipwrecked three times. Most theologians believe that it was four because towards the end of Acts, there's another shipwreck that, that they, they think happened after he wrote that letter. Multiple shipwrecks Paul faced, persecution, flogging, imprisonment, and dangers that we could never fathom. I think about Mary, the mother of Jesus, that watched as her firstborn son was brutally executed, murdered. Oh, the pain of having to watch that process. But we know the outcome to that. And we know how necessary that was for our salvation. Yet in the moment, I can assure you, church, they did not see the process and they did not enjoy the pain. Yet their testimonies tell the story of God's grace, his mercy, and God's faithfulness. And I assure you today that whatever you're going through, there is a purpose to your pain. Why don't you just declare that over somebody right now? Just look at somebody and just tell them, say, there is a purpose to your pain. Let them know. Somebody needs to hear that today. Tell them again. There is a purpose to your pain. The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 8 and 18, he said, listen to this verse. He said, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. The Apostle Peter said, in 1 Peter 4, verses 12 and 13, he said, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. He said, this isn't abnormal. He said, this is life. He said, don't be surprised. Verse 13, he said, instead, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. Both of these passages, church, reveal to us the purpose of our suffering. And Paul said it like this. He said that the glory that is to be revealed to us. That's what he said. The glory that is to be revealed to us. Peter said it's the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. So the purpose of going through pain is to see his glory manifested in our lives. And I can assure you that whatever you're going through... It has potential, if we allow it to, it has potential to display his glory to an unbelieving world. 
Because you are the walking gospel. You are the walking good news that the world needs. And, and we have to come to the place that we realize that the purpose for our suffering is for his glory to be revealed. Before the digital age that we now live in, the art of photography looked a lot different. Now, there are some people in the room that have no idea of the process that I'm about to explain to you. They were birthed and raised in a digital age, and they have no idea what it, what it looks like to put film into a camera. How many of you remember what it's like to put film into a camera? How many of you have ever found, like, old disposable cameras and you, you, you take them and get them developed and then you really quickly discard the pictures because you wanted to forget about that time in your life? No, just me? Okay. Um, now, before the digital age, photography looked a lot different. You see, pictures were first produced into negatives. And, and then the negatives were turned into positives by going into a dark room and shining a light through it onto photographic paper. This developing process would turn the negative into a positive full-color photograph. I, I think you can read between the lines, church. This is what God wants to do with the pain in our lives. Every negative injustice, he wants to turn it into a positive. Every negative sickness, every negative disease, every negative infirmity. Church, I hope you get this. I hope you do because some of you are facing it right now. Every negative pain. God wants to take it and turn it into a positive. He wants his light, his glory to shine through it to produce a testimony so that his glory is revealed. I, I believe that I preached from John chapter 9 just a few months ago on Father's Day, but I'm going to do it again today. I don't usually preach from a particular passage of Scripture this close in a calendar year. However, however, this this particular passage of John chapter 9, there's a Greek word that has captured my attention. And it is one of the smallest of Greek words, but it, it carries so much weight that I feel like it, it is imperative that I preach today from this text um, because I believe it's relevant to our teaching on pain today. And besides, how many of you know that the, the word of God is living and breathing? That's, and, and what that means is that every time I read it, it has the ability to completely bring new revelation to my life. And so I'm going to preach it from a different standpoint today. But uh, forgive me, if you will, for, for preaching from a passage so, so soon. John chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. As he, Jesus, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go. Wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Church, what we have to understand is that in first century Palestine, they lived in a work-based society, a work-based culture. 
and they did not separate, especially the Jews, they did not separate their faith from the secular of their lives. It, it, it was all together. It was all one. Everything was spiritual. And I think we could learn something from that, um, but we don't have time to dive into that today. But, but there was no separation of church and state. It just, life was. And, and it was all spiritual. It was commonly agreed upon that if your life was a struggle, then there was sin in your life and that you were living cursed by God until that sin was rectified. In other words, if, if you are going through a sickness in your life or if, if you're going through lack of provision in your life, any mishaps whatsoever of life that you, you might be facing, it's because, it's in direct effect because there's something wrong in your life. You have sinned against God and until you figure out how to fix that, God is not going to bless you and you're going to, going to continue to live under a curse. I'm not saying I agree with that. I'm saying that's the society that this man was living in. Of the judgment that this man faced, no doubt every day he had to walk past people as he felt his way through the city to go find his spot to beg. Blind from birth. Remember that. Blind from birth. And, and almost everyone in that society, no matter what was wrong with them, if there was some kind of physical ailment wrong, wrong with them, then they were reduced to begging. They, no one would hire them. They couldn't work in the family business. And so uh, if you were lame, if, if you were, were blind, if, if you were sick, you, you were treated as an outcast. And, and no one wanted to, to work with you. And so you were ostracized. And so they were forced to live on the leftovers, the crumbs of what fell off the plates and out of the pockets of those that were considered more fortunate in life, completely dependent upon society, uh, completely dependent upon a society that, that considered him inferior. That's the life that this man was raised in. And church, in this passage, we watch as even the people closest to Christ, his disciples, cast their judgment upon this man because they're just products of the environment that they were raised in, which is, is, says a lot for America right now and, and, and the generation that we're... I don't have time. Let's just... Moms and dads, wake up. They're a product of what they're being raised in, okay? Let's keep going. I don't have time for that. So the disciples of Christ... They fall right into those societal standards, and they too cast judgment. And they cast judgment by asking Jesus what seems like a harmless question until you understand the mental anguish that this, this condition has put this man through. And so the disciples ask Jesus this question, who sinned? He's blind from birth. Who sinned? Was it him? Like, did he put his mama through, like... A rough delivery process, and that's why he's blind from birth. Is, is, that, is that what's wrong? Was it him? Is he the one that sinned Jesus? Or a more likely possibility, was it his parents? Is he struggling through life because of his parents' sin? Like, 
did they do something against God and, and now he's having to pay for it? And in their minds, there is no other option. Someone caused this pain in this man's life, period. That's it. Someone caused it. Who was it, Jesus? Was it him or was it his parents? Which leads us to the most important verse in this moment in history, verse 3. And if you write in your Bible, you need to get a pen out. You need to underline these words that I'm about to share with you. And if you don't like writing in your Bible, that explains a lot. Because if your Bible's not messed up, you are. Okay, here we go. Verse 3. Jesus answered. It was not that this man sinned or his parents But that, just underline those two words. I'll explain it to you, but just trust me in this. But that. It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that. Say those two words with me. But that. But that. It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. The Greek word, church, that's used here for that phrase, but that, is the Greek word hina. Hina. H-I-N-A. And it means so much more than than our English words translated as, but that. Sometimes I'm afraid that our buts get in the way of what God is really trying to say, right? You read into that however you want to, okay? But sometimes our buts, English language, get in the way of what God is trying to say to us. And in this situation, this little phrase, but that, certainly gets in the way. Hina. It means for the purpose of an intended result. In the Greek, it's not a phrase that's used loosely. It's very intentional because when you use this phrase, it is in a dramatic way expressing purpose. So when Jesus said the Greek word hina, when he said this phrase... They knew, we better listen closely because what's coming out of his, he's making this so dramatic right now, we better hang on to every word that he has to say. And although our English word but is a conjunction, it's not a subordinating conjunction, and the Greek word hina is. You see how things are lost in translation? And so it's important for us to understand what a subordinating conjunction is. And if you don't know, I'm not taking you to English class today, but a subordinating conjunction is a word or a phrase that links an independent clause to a dependent clause. Anybody remember that from school? I didn't. I had to go look it up. And, and so this subordinating conjunction, it will link an independent clause to a dependent clause. And, and what I mean by that is there is an independent phrase that could stand alone as a sentence. It, it doesn't need any other support, context, or additional information. It is a sentence in and all by itself. It is what it is, which is a phrase I hate, by the way, but it is what it is. It just says what it is. It means what it says. That's what it is. It's just a phrase that is a complete sentence. A dependent clause adds additional information to the main clause and is joined in the sentence to the sentence using a subordinating conjunction. Let let me give you some uh, examples of this. The student failed the test. Period, right? That's all you need to know. She failed the test. The student failed the test. But we can shed some more light on that if we want to. 
because she didn't study. Now we've got more insight. Not only do we know that she failed the test, but because of the subordinating conjunction, now we know that she did not study for the test, right? Okay, half of the room gets it. The other half, you still have this blank stare. Let me, let me put it this way. And for the pet lovers in the room, you're the, probably the ones looking at me so strange. You spend more time with your pet than in a book, but that's okay. The dog ran away. It's a sentence all by itself, right? The dog ran away because someone left the door open. You, you, the subordinated conjunction, because? Okay, let me show you another one. Keep pressure on the wound. That's all you need to know, right? Keep pressure on the wound. If that's all you need to know, then forever someone's just going to be there keeping pressure on the like, They're never going to walk away from that person for the rest of their life. They're just going to keep pressure on the wound until it stops bleeding. And you've got a subordinated conjunction that brings them together and, and it, 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 it gets this, this independent clause and this dependent clause and it puts them together so that we see more detail. As you can see, the dependent clause adds value to the sentence's main idea displaying this cause and effect here and here. This, this works together. Some people would have left this man stuck in his pointless situation. This man has been blind from birth, period. And for his entire life, that's how people left him. There's no subordinating conjunction. They walk by him every day. When they have a little extra change, they throw it his way. Maybe sometimes they pull up to the red light and they throw out their, their you know, Long John Silver's meal, five loaves, two fish. They, you know, they throw it out there, five hush puppies, a couple little fish. They throw that out the window to him. Just thinking, you know, I'm doing my good deed for today. But this man has been blind from birth. He's been blind from birth, period. That's where most people would have left him and did leave him. It was not that this man sinned. It was not that his parents sinned. But Jesus does not leave us in our independent pain. Somebody needs to get this today. He doesn't leave us in our independent pain. He adds value to what has happened. You see, the enemy wants you to believe that you've just been hung out to dry. That no one cares. That no one, no one gives a rip about what you've gone through and what you're going through. But Jesus steps into the scene and he brings a subordinating conjunction. and He says, no, 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 no. This is more than just dramatic effect. I'm about to change your life. And he, he brings value to it. He, he doesn't leave us in, in, in our independence, but he adds value to what has happened. It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. In other words, that the glory of God can be displayed in his life completely dependent on him. Is that not where he wants us? He wants us completely dependent upon him. And God just doesn't turn your problems into potential, church. That's what some people want you to believe. No, it's so much greater than that. When you go through pain, God turns the pain into his power manifested in our lives. Woo! 
It becomes a testimony. And a testimony is what helps us and helps grow our faith and it helps grow the faith of others. Pain is not punishment, church. Pain is preparation. Imagine what God is getting you ready for by allowing you to go through this current season of pain. It is preparation. What is God going to do in your life that Satan hates, that he can't stand? And so he's, he's got an all-out war against you right now, bringing the pain. But God says, no, 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 no. But that, my glory can be revealed in and through your life. In 2 Corinthians 4 and 17, it says, For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. See, what God wants to do once his glory is revealed through your life, it's not going to be just for a season. It's a testimony that is going to last forever. Forever. You know, we've got to learn not to just go through our pain, church, but, but, but we've got to grow through our pain. We've got to let our faith be built in these moments. We all want the, the joy of, of living up here on the mountaintop. Because it feels like that's where life is successful. It feels like that's where the glory is at, up here on the mountaintop. But how many of you know the best produce is, is grown in the valley? That's where sustenance is formed. It's in the valley where the best fruit, the best vegetables If we'll ever get to the place where we understand that, yes, these mountaintop experiences are great. The scripture says it like this, that he takes us from glory to glory. One translation of the Bible actually says he takes us from mountaintop to mountaintop. But what's in between the mountains? The valley. And I can promise you that, that there's more character produced in the valley than there is on the mountain. Matter of fact, before he can get you to the next glory, he might have to take you through the valley because there's some things that he's got to grow in you. And it's painful in the process, church, but God wants to do something amazing in your life, exceedingly and abundantly above all that you can ask or think. That's what he wants to do. And, and church, looking back on my life, I can tell you that the times of greatest growth have been in, in, in my struggles. It, have, it has been in the tensions of life. It has been in the valleys of my life. But man, when I come out on the other side, God is always faithful to let his glory be revealed. And as I look around this room right now, church, I, I see the testimonies of endured pain that resulted in his glory. Listen, some of you, you're not there yet. You're not, you just got to hold on. You just got to believe. You just got to, you got to, you got to stay the course because you're not there yet. But sitting all around you right now, there's people in this room that they endured the pain of addiction in order for his glory to be revealed through their life. Amen. He's got a reason to clap. You see, there's people around you right now that they endured the pain of abuse so that his glory could be revealed. None of us ever asked for it, but it is. And, and someone would have left you there in that abuse, but, but God said, but that, but that. I'm not going to leave you there. I'm going to add value to that pain. Some, some of you endured the pain of a failed marriage. 
It's, it's not the way you planned your life. But his glory has been revealed. Some of you have endured the pain of, of the loss of a loved one. I know that feeling. But I also see his hand on the other side of it and his glory being revealed. We endure the pain. And God adds value to it. I want to pray for two, two different types of people in this room. And in just a moment, I'm going to pray for those that are enduring the pain right now because I know that you're, you're struggling and your need, your, your pain deserves to be lifted up to the Lord. Before we get to that, I want to tell you about someone that endured the pain of the cross for you. Scripture reveals to us what was really happening. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. He, he, couldn't, he couldn't obtain it yet. It was before him, but he endured the cross to get to that. We, we couple that with 2 Corinthians 3 and 18 that says, so all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord and the Lord who is the spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image church I hope that you understand today there is a savior who endured the pain of the cross so that our lives could reveal his glory not only there, but here, now. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you have not made him your Savior, the Lord of your life, you need to understand that he endured the cross so that his glory could be revealed in your life. And the greatest glory that could ever be revealed is your salvation from hell. know that things have been made right between you and your heavenly father and now you're back in communion with him Jesus made that way he made it possible for us so with every head bowed every eye closed please no one looking around I want to give you an opportunity to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior I will not embarrass you I promise you I will not ask you to stand I'm not going to ask you to come forward but what I am going to ask you to do is to be very honest with me right now. Be honest with me. Be honest with yourself. More importantly, be honest with God. If you're ready for the glory of God to be revealed in your life, if you're ready for salvation, for the forgiveness of sins, I want you to raise your hands. Come on, raise it high. Don't put it down. Leave it up. Come on, you know who you are. You feel the Holy Spirit tugging at your heart right now unless the Spirit draws you. You can't come to the Father. The Holy Spirit's pulling at you right now. Come on, raise your hand high. Thank you. Someone else. 
someone else. Come on, don't wait, friend. Don't wait. Give your life over to him right now. Let his glory be revealed in and through your life. sure many online there's one person in this room that said I need Jesus I want to make him the Lord of my life today amen Amen. here's what we're going to do as we do often around here we're going to corporately say a prayer together it's going to be my words but I'm asking you to make them your words if you're in the room if you're watching online make my prayer your prayer today but church let's give them the courage right now everyone and let's say it together let's look to heaven and say it Say, dear Lord, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins and that he rose again, giving me eternal life. And today, I make him the Lord of my life. In his name I pray, amen, 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 amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. I want to quickly transition here just for a moment because I know that there's people in this room that you're dealing with current pain. Life has not been fair. Some of it is self-imposed pain. But I can promise you this, it doesn't matter if someone sinned against you or if you sinned yourself. The God of redemption is here to redeem. He's come to set us free. He's come to bring purpose to our pain. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you to stand right there where you're at. You know who you are. No one's going to judge you. I tell you, I've gone through some pain in my life, but I want you to stand right now. Yes. something about surrendering. There's something about turning it over to God. And I believe that's what happens in these moments like this. When, when we're asked to respond, it's acknowledging that, God, I can't do this. I'm going to make a bold declaration right now. No matter what you are going through, every single person in this room, our God is able to bring glory out of that pain. There's a purpose. We might not get it. We may not understand it. But he's not allowing you to go through it without there being a purpose behind the pain. And I believe he's about to bring independent pain in contact with a Savior we've got to learn to depend on. And this is that but that moment. If you're standing, just raise your hands to heaven right now. Church, stretch your hands towards these people. Let's pray for them. Father, so much pain. So much pain. 
Lord, I know that pain has to bow in reverence to you. The hurt that has been manifested, Lord, it doesn't matter when you walk in. God, first and foremost, I ask that you would help these people to realize they're not in it by themselves. But then, God, I want them to to realize, too, that this pain is serving a purpose, and it's for your glory to be revealed. So, God, we put all of our faith, all of our trust in you. trust you if you're standing right now just say that out out loud just say Lord I trust you I trust you Lord I trust you maybe it's one of those moments like the father that was concerned for his son that he said Lord I believe but help thou my unbelief right now Lord help our unbelief right now. Let us trust you wholly, completely. Complete and total trust. Our pain has a purpose. And your glory will be revealed in and through these lives. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. To learn more about DCC, including our service times and location, visit us at destinycommunitychurch.org.